Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Inclusive Class Podcast. Through interviews and discussions, it's our goal to explore the promise and practice of inclusive education. I'm Nicole Eredix, and one of your hosts for the show. I'm a parent, inclusion teacher, and creator of the online resource, theinclusiveclass.com. And joining me here on the Inclusive Class this morning is my co-host, Terry Morrow. Hi, Terry. Good morning, Nicole, and welcome to all our listeners. I am Terry Morrow. I'm the author of 50 Ways to Support Your Child's Special Education, and I write about special needs for about.com at specialchildren.about.com. I also have no voice this week, as you may be able to tell. I have a lingering cold that has settled into my throat, so I'm not going to be real talkative today. I'm just going to pass it back to you, Nicole. No worries. No worries. I'm glad that you were able to call in, Terry, with your voice and all, so I appreciate that. I apologize for the periodic hacking cough that you all will be hearing. <laughs> I think uh, I think by now our listeners are pretty used to anything that we throw at them. <laughs> it is not, in fact, a seal barking. It is me. It's you. Well, you just sit back and relax, Terry, because we have a fabulous <laughs> guest with us today who can certainly spend more than 30 minutes chatting with us about all sorts of topics related to differentiated classrooms And before I uh, go into that, I just want to let listeners know that our chat room is not open today. However, if you'd like to stop in and suggest a question, we'll try and work it in if we have time. Today on our show, we are going to be talking about ways to effectively assess students of various abilities in a differentiated classroom. That's a lot of big words there in one sentence, but um, we'll get to explaining that in a second. We are going to have returning guest Carolyn Coyle explain all of that to us, and we're pleased that she is back with us again to talk this morning. Good morning, Carolyn. How are you? Uh, Good morning. I am doing great. Uh, Luckily, I don't have a hacking cough, so uh, that's (laughs) that's a good thing. And I'm really, really excited to be here and to talk about um, assessment because, uh, in a way, that's the tail that's wagging the whole dog of education right now. So it's really an important topic for all of us. So glad glad that I'm going to have a chance to discuss that a little bit with you. Well, we're so looking forward to it. Now, just to quickly backtrack a bit for some of our listeners, uh, we have mentioned the word differentiated classroom. And teachers who are in inclusive classrooms, classrooms that provide learning uh, experiences for all children of all abilities, naturally differentiate their curriculum because you're trying to make the needs. They have to. There's no other way. There's no other way. (laughs) So, and that's sort of what I was just going to have you quickly describe. What does differentiation mean for those people that are listening? Right. Differentiation means that you, as a teacher, you realize that kids are different. And that, that's such a, a, you know, an obvious statement. But in what ways are they different? Well, they could be different in ability. They could be different in readiness. They could be different in learning styles. They could be different in the pace in which they can get a you know, assignments done. Uh, They could be different in language. They could be different in sort of cultural beliefs. I mean, I could go on and on, but Mm -hmm. sort of just just wrap it up into one little ball. 
it's acknowledging that kids have lots of differences and then acting upon that. I, I think yes. I've never met a teacher that didn't agree with me that kids had major differences, mm-hmm. but it's that second part, what do yeah. you do about that, uh, and when you don't do anything about it and you just say, well, I'm sorry, but this is what, this is what the lesson is and this is what everybody has to do, mm-hmm. then that's when we really get into to problems on both ends of the spectrum. And yes. Uh, you know, so we have some kids sitting there bored because they already know this stuff, and we have some kids sitting there going, there's no, I, I don't know how to do this because they didn't know the thing before this thing. You know, so that's mm-hmm. what differentiation is. It's really making sure that you're you're kind of catching the kid where they are and moving them forward. Yes, and I completely agree with you. I mean, having classrooms with so many different kids of various abilities over the years, it's yep. really you know, you're not only recognizing that they have the abilities, but they you're recognizing that you need to do something for them in order exactly. to help them excel and, you know, be successful in their educational right. experience. Right, and, so. and that, that should be the goal of every teacher is how mm-hmm. can I bring every kid to success for yeah. them? You know, yeah. success looks different for different kids, too. Exactly. So. That's yeah. a great point. I mean, we could talk about that forever, too. We could. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. But let's let's uh, go back to our topic today, which is actually the assessment part of the differentiated classroom, because I think a lot of, you know, not only teachers, but parents, of course, too, have questions about how do teachers assess all these different mm-hmm. students in the classroom and right. how can they measure the growth that these students have made when there's, you know, 25, 30 kids in a classroom. Exactly. So we're going to talk yep. about that today. Can you um, quickly discuss, or I shouldn't say quickly, <laughs> um, <laughs> can you discuss how assessment can be handled in a differentiated classroom? Sure. I, this is, I mean, we may go the half hour just on this one question because yeah. it's, it's really, and this is the essential question. And for years, because I've been doing, you know, differentiation for years, and uh, then all the standardized testing, you know, pay, came about everywhere. And so I spent a lot of time trying to figure out how I could differentiate those standardized pieces. And, mm-hmm. and really about two years ago, um, I was writing a, a book on differentiation, and I came to the conclusion that I really have to separate out in terms of assessment. Uh, today, the assessment that you're, you're going to have is a standardized assessment. That means we're going to look and see how well everybody is meeting the same grade level standard. Uh, we're going to take a look at a standardized test, what, whatever. Sometimes mm-hmm. teachers do have to do that. But they don't always have to do that. So why not then on other days say today or this week or for this project or, you know, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. we're going to be doing differentiated assessment. And I think if you just, if you put that right up front in your own mind and and to parents and to the students, it makes so much sense. So Mm -hmm. a differentiated assessment means to me is this is based on you, the individual student, making progress. From wherever right. your starting point is, but, you know, have have you gone backwards? Have you gone out? Have you gone forward? You know, mm-hmm. so instead of comparing a student to everybody else at the grade level, which, by the way, is what standardized tests do, is you know, it's like here's the fourth grade standardized test, and we're yes. going to compare you to everybody else in fourth grade and whatever the norm group is for this test. Instead of that, 
why don't I compare you, the student, as to what you were doing a month ago or a week yeah. ago or, or whatever. That, to me, is differentiated assessment. Mm-hmm. Now, like I say, there are times that teachers honestly can't do that because the standardized testing is such a big oh, know, huge in, in schools. And time-consuming. Oh, gosh, yes. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's a whole other topic. But yeah. <laughs> there are plenty of times in the classroom on a day-to-day basis that teachers can differentiate their assessments. So, for example, if you're doing a writing assignment, um, I shouldn't be comparing a struggling writer. I shouldn't be looking at their paper and then being look, look at the paper of the best writer in the room and, and do my assessment based on that. I should be looking at the last paper that a mm-hmm. student did and then the paper that they're doing now and saying, oh, look, you didn't know how to put a sentence together a month ago and you've improved on that. So to me, I really have to put in my mind what I'm, what kind of assessment I'm going to be doing today or this week or, or whatever it is. Make that really clear to the kids and to the parents yeah. and, you know, to any of the other stakeholders. When you get into um, project-based learning, there's mm-hmm. a whole whole lot that you can do uh, in terms of differentiated assessment with that mm-hmm. one. I guess in, in terms of an analogy for, for our listeners, um, if – if you've ever had a kid on a swim team, and my, my son was on swim team, so I spent a lot of time sitting at <laughs> swimming pools. But, um, you know, the kids would all want to, to win the swim meet for the team. I mean, that was one goal. And yes. that would have been like your standardized assessment. But mm-hmm. every kid also knew what their personal best was for whatever. So if, if you're doing the three meter, they would they would say to me, oh, Mrs. Coyle, my personal best is, you know, and they'd rattle off these numbers, one point. But today I'm going to beat my personal best. That is your differentiated assessment. So in schools, I think we do have to have both. I can't see in the near future anyway that we're going to get rid of the standardized testing. It's it's so ingrained. But I think if we couple that with differentiated assessment, here's the interesting thing that happens. The more classroom activities that are done with differentiated assessment, Mm-hmm. When those standardized assessments do come, in general, kids do better on those if you've been doing differentiated assessment all along because they've experienced yeah. success, their learning has improved, and, you know, all of those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's that's kind of on a philosophical level. That's, you know, that's how I, I would handle that um, in, in yeah. a, a more teacher you know, teacher language level, um, your differentiated assessment is often either your pre-assessment or what we call your formative assessment um, as they go forward, and whereas the standardized is mostly your summative assessment. And I may talk a little bit more about that terminology uh, in kind of the next segment here. So. <laughs> okay, sounds good. <laughs> well, then let's let's move on to that. So you've okay. talked about how teachers can handle sort of an assessment overall. What specifically, though, are the three types of assessments that should be used in a differentiated classroom? Right. And I, I gave you a preview of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. All right. So let's, let's take those and, and I'll try to, you know, kind of say what they are and, and give you some examples of the classroom. The right. first one I said is um, 
it's pre-assessment, and this is where a teacher would do some kind, it doesn't have to be a test, it could be, but it could even be a classroom observation or a discussion with the student so that the teacher knows before he or she starts teaching a topic or a unit or a skill, whatever it is, the teacher already knows what kids exactly know about that. Um, and a, right. a lot of elementary teachers do something called a KWL chart. And the, mm-hmm. the K on that chart is, you know, what do you already know? Uh, I think that's essential. If we don't know what our kids already know, I don't know how you ever start with differentiation. Exactly, so, and, yeah. You know, so to me, the pre-assessment, so then you know, oh, they're not ready to learn this piece yet. I've got to go backwards and, and mm-hmm. pick up this other piece. Or wow, I was going to spend a week on this, and it looks like these kids already have this. I mm-hmm. think we could review it for a day, but then we could move on. Or in a differentiated classroom, I've got some of each. So I've got to move some kids to do a different activity. I've got to go back and remediate some other kids, and some other kids can work, you know, right on what I thought I was going to teach in the first place. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's your pre-assessment. Okay. The second kind of assessment is um, what we call formative assessment, and this is the one in education that has been getting a lot of notice over about the past 10 years. There's okay. an interesting uh, study that was done by uh, two men named Black and William about, uh, oh, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. Their study was called uh, Inside the Black Box, which I think is a really funny name for a study. Mm-hmm. But what yeah. it was, they, they called the black box, they called that the classroom. Yeah. So you picture a classroom, you know, that was their black box. And so right. they said, well, what, what happens inside the classroom? And what they found out of all the different things that teachers were doing, the thing that had the most impact on raising student achievement was using formative assessment. So, so that made this one us, you know, in the teaching field, all mm-hmm. kind of take a look at, well, what is that one? And really what it is, I always look at that as, well, this is good teaching anyway. But mm-hmm. formative assessment really is assessing as they're doing their work. So, for example, suppose I've given kids um, 15 math problems, and either I could stop them when they finish the first three, or maybe I'm walking around the room. I mean, however I'm going to do this, and I, mm-hmm. I see some kids They've ma- I mean, they've mastered those. Well, maybe mm-hmm. I'll say to them, okay, just go ahead and do uh, 13, 14, and 15 at the right. bottom of the page. I know those are the three hardest ones. Well, the formative assessment would be if you already know the basics, go ahead and do the hardest ones. If you already know that, you don't really need to do the ones in between. You can, you know, go do something else. On yeah, the other yeah. hand, suppose I see some kids and they've gotten number one, number two, and number three wrong. If I stop them there and say, let's, let's look at this again. Let me show you again how to do this. Then they haven't practiced it wrong 15 times. So, right. you, you know, it just makes good sense to me. So formative assessment is any kind of assessment that you're doing while the kids are doing their work in a okay. project. Let's suppose that a kid had uh, two weeks to work on a project. Well, I love doing a formative assessment at the end of the first week or the beginning of the second week. First of all, the kid who's going to procrastinate the project till you know, the day before it's due, um, mm-hmm. if, I, if I say to them, okay, on Monday morning I want you to bring your rubric, I want you to bring your project as much as it's done, and we're going to do a formative assessment using your rubric. Well, right. that reminds students, Oh, I have a rubric. <laughs> yeah. Then, 
Yeah. Oh, one of those. Then it, it, make, it makes sure that they're starting on something. But the other really important thing that it does, if they're starting on it and they're not doing it the way I had envisioned or the way that they need to do it, we can stop right there and I can say, oh, no, 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 you know, I, I guess you misunderstood what I wanted there. What I really wanted was you to do um, a booklet that you're writing yourself. I didn't want you to just uh, cut and paste it from the Internet or, you know, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. they have time to make the changes before they turn it in. A yeah. lot of our kids misunderstand what, what we want them to do. Yeah. And usually if we're not doing formative assessment, they turn it in. And that, that would be the summative, you know. And so now I'm yeah. going to grade it. It's done. And what a lot of teachers do is they spend hours and hours and hours grading stuff and, you know, writing notes to kids and, and mm-hmm. you know, using their nights and weekends. And then they turn it back, and the kids look at it for 1.5 seconds and, you know, throw it away or stuff it in their backpack or whatever kids exactly. do. <laughs> yeah. And, and the reason for that, is, I mean, it really makes common sense, well, I've got I've got the grade. I mean, you know, it's not like I can change it, so why bother? So mm-hmm. I'm saying, and I say this to teachers all the time, put your effort and your time. Don't spend any more time, but put the effort and the time into the formative piece. Yes. Yeah. Don't put all that time into the summative piece, you know. Yeah. And I even with my grad students, I do that. Uh, you know, in a college class, you know, yeah. here's the syllabus, and, you know, here's your end project, and it's due the last yeah. day of class. Well, no, at about six or seven weeks in, they got to bring their projects of what they've done so far, and they're all they're all like, "Oh my gosh, I've got to start." Yes, you do have to start. <laughs> so, <laughs> but the but the really good thing is when I get so then it's the end, and I've got to give them a grade. It doesn't take me any time because I've already seen this stuff and I've already made the notes as to where they need to improve, and so I can look and see, you know, if they've done that. So to me, the formative assessment piece is is the key, and that can be totally differentiated because you're going to see kids at different levels doing different things and so forth. And then the the third type of assessment is is the summative, and and that is really, okay, you've finished it. We're going to have the final exam. Uh, you're going to turn in your final project. Um, things like the state standardized tests would be, you know, summative assessments. Um, you know, it's like this is this is the end point, and right. this is where we we really um, this is where a lot of people get nervous and and all that. But if you've done those other two, like I said, if you, if you do kind of a differentiated assessment part, mm-hmm. it's more likely that when you do get to that summative, that more high stakes assessment, probably that assessment is going to look better and be better than it would have been if you hadn't done those other two parts. So um, right. so to me, they, they all go together, and when we only focus on, you know, the final grade, the final exam, the final test, the final project, and we don't spend any time on the other two, um, it, on the one end, we have a lot of kids who, who um, are very frustrated as learners and can't do it. And on the other end, which is equally important, we've got a lot of gifted and high-ability kids that get the idea that school is School is so easy, you don't really have to work very hard. You can throw something together at the last minute. You don't even have to listen to the teacher. You can just do the test anyway. You know, all of those things. Mm-hmm. Neither neither of those are good because you're really um, sort of diminishing learning 
in, in all areas. So I think right. you just have to do those three those three types. And I, I think, you know, there's nothing, there's no magic formula in education. I wish there were. But I do think that, <laughs> wouldn't that be nice? No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do think that those, that those are really helpful in terms of, of some guidelines. Um, yeah. So, so in a thing, let me just well, jump in because I'm going to ask about sure. what's always on a parent's mind. Uh, these all sound like great ideas. What do you do about grades? I know as a parent it's really hard because you don't want your kids to just get an A that equals a pat on the head regardless right. of what sort of work they do. But you also don't want them to be failed when, you know, their abilities, yeah. they're working to the best of their abilities. Absolutely. Neither way seems fair. I mean, I have friends who brag about how their daughter is a straight-A student, but, you know, it's a... Well, she's doing her best straight A, which is not the same. It's, how do you how do you yeah, feel with yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, and you know for sure. I feel like a malcontent because nothing you do yeah. is going to no, feel well, right. I I think that's that's a hugely important question because grades grades have an inordinate. Um, uh, inordinate power, I guess I would say, mm-hmm. particularly when you get up into the high school. When you get up mm-hmm, into the high right. school, grade—I mean, well, let's let's kind of start back. What grades started out being is just a way to report student progress to parents. But you know, mm-hmm, that, that's right. what that's what they started out being. And over the years, I mean, when you had the one-room schoolhouse, you really didn't have to have grades, you know. But but over yeah. time, you know, they became that. But now, what's happened is, in its one sense. For many people, grades are the only thing. I mean, I've heard yeah. parents say to me, "I don't care what she's learning; I just want her to get an A," yeah, which, yeah. which is, you know, which is insane. But that's kind of where we are. So, how right. do you handle grades? Well, I think it has to be really clear what this grade means, and I think it has to be: is this grade showing progress? Is that what the grade is about, or mm-hmm. is this grade based on some kind of a standardized? You know, are you to this point yet? Mm-hmm. If I could, if I could rule the world of education, I would really like two sets of grades. You, you know, and mm-hmm. so I, I would like, I would like the grade. You know, this is the grade level grade, yeah. and then I'd like yeah. the grade. This is the progress or the differentiated grade. I, right. I mean, I would, I would even like, let's say, if if a one meant you're working below grade level and, and a two is you're working at grade level and a three mm-hmm. is you're working above grade level, you can have an A1. So that yeah. is in the work, work that you're doing, you know, you're really making progress, you're really mm-hmm. you're putting forth effort and all that kind of stuff. There are some schools that actually do that that kind of have the indicator for, you know, the standardized grade level and then that, you know, what level are you working on? Yeah. Um, I think that that kind of grading system, uh, along with the standards-based report cards and the student-led conferences and a whole lot of other things that are out there, really do help with that. Here's what I here's where I think the problem comes mostly. It comes at the high school because grades actually have a different function at high school. Mm-hmm. At high school, they indicate whether you can get a scholarship, whether yeah. you can get into a certain school, whether mm-hmm. your money is going to be. I mean, there are all kinds of other things. I live in the state of Georgia, and we have this thing called the Hope Scholarship. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you have a, I don't know, I think it's like a 3.5 average, you get a full tuition to any state uh, college or university. Well, wow. then your your grade isn't just reporting student progress. Your grade mm-hmm. is let's get the money. You, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Uh, and I, 
And it is beyond my power to know how to deal with that. And it's not that I don't know how to deal with grades, because I actually do. It's mm-hmm. because grades have become, and I, I don't, I'm going to say the word political, but I don't mean that in the sense of, you know, the United States Congress or anything like that. <laughs> but I, That's a whole other thing. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. yeah. But, but I do mean that they, they have an, uh, sort of indicators beyond what they should be. Uh, which is, you know, those indicators for scholarship, or even at the elementary level, you know, my child got on the honor roll and yours didn't kind of thing, or or uh, parents mm-hmm. saying, you know, saying they don't care about learning, they just care about the grade. I, I don't think that should be the function of grade, <coughs> grades, but it, it is honestly beyond my power at this point to know how, you know, to know what to do with them. I do think, particularly for our struggling and our kids with disabilities, that if they do get grades that have been differentiated for them, there has to be an indicator for parents to know that, yes, this is an A, but this is a, a modified A or it's a differentiated A or, or something. Um, I, I think that's important because that goes back to reporting student progress. On the other hand, I don't want any kid who's just been working really hard to end up failing. I mean, you know, if, if I'm going to end up failing, no matter how hard I work, then why should I work? You know, right. so so mm-hmm. I think there's there's really a balance there between those two things, and um, you know, some systems are definitely working on this. Particularly, I, I work in some very large school systems as a consultant, and I work in some very small school systems. The right. smaller ones are doing a better job because you can make changes more quickly yeah. when you only are dealing with three schools. You know, as yeah. to when you're dealing with you know 250 schools. So. Exactly. Um, you know, so in terms of that, it's all over the place um, in the United States. So um, that's one I don't know how to fix. I know how to deal with it, but I don't know how to fix yeah. it. So. <laughs> <laughs> Can appreciate that. Now, yeah. <laughs> very quickly, Carolyn, we only have about um, two minutes left, but can you just describe, you know, some ways or um, a way that parents can best help their children understand that assessment is not punishment. <laughs> but yeah, good. yeah, and, and you know what? That that is. I mean, that's another whole you know half hour. But but a lot of parents do use report card grades as kind of punishment. You know, if you don't get such and such a grade, you're grounded. Well, right. I I think that's that's really detrimental. I would rather say, you know, if you haven't done a half hour of homework each night and that I could see that you've been trying, you're grounded. I hate it just to be the grades because then grades do become reward and punishment. I think it's really important for parents to sit down and talk to their kids about grades, what they are, what they're not, what the expectations that the parent has for the the child in terms of work. I would much rather uh, take a look at work ethic. Then, then take a look at at, yes. at grades, you know. I mean, there are some kids that are going to be working as hard as they possibly can and maybe get fees. There are other kids that can get straight A's and do nothing, you, you know. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so I think that, I think, first of all, kind of embedded in that question is parents need to understand grades, how they work in their particular school situation. So mm-hmm. I think that's the first, until parents understand how that works, it's really hard to sit down with your kids and have a discussion about it. So, you know, number one, parents have to understand it. Number two, you know, what are our expectations for you and your grades? And then I would always add, 
and you're learning. Uh, mm-hmm. I have grandchildren, and they you always tell me, Grandma, you know, on my report card, I always like to say, well, what did you learn? Mm-hmm. Well, what did you learn? Because I always like to bring it back to, to the learning. So, yeah, we want our kids to make good grades. A lot of times kids who make good grades, that indicates a whole lot of other things like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm working hard, I'm doing my homework, I have good time management, I'm putting forth effort, you know, whatever it is. And those are the kinds of, of traits, whatever a parent wants in terms of traits for their child, those are the things that we have to go back to and, and say, I am really proud of you because, look, you turned in your homework every day, or I'm really proud of you because you spent a half hour on your spelling every night. or what You know, those are the things that we need to really emphasize that that that's what's important to us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are great points. I I think that having parents understand how the grading works in the school yep. or the classroom is just key to so many uh, you know problems that can arise throughout the school year. Exactly. And, you know, front-loading you know, the families <laughs> beforehand is really yep. important. Well, I tell you, the, the most different, differentiated thing I see in classrooms is the way teachers grade. Everybody yeah. has their own way of grading. So it's really important at the beginning of the school year to ask that question. Tell me how the grades work. Tell me, And, and teachers will be happy to tell you because oh, they've got their happy. system. Yeah. So exactly. it's really good to know that at the beginning. And whatever last year's teacher did, this year's teacher is probably not going to do, you know, so you really exactly. have to know that for your own particular teachers. Exactly. Well, thank you so much, Carolyn. You've given You're us welcome. so much information, and we really appreciate you coming back and talking with us oh. today. And poor Terry there has done her best today <laughs> to, to stay with us. So. Terry, you've done great. Thank you. <laughs> thank and you. I'll be, I'll be happy next school year to come back and visit with you again. Would love to have you. And thank okay. you so much. And I just want to let our listeners know that uh, next week you'll be listening to Terry and I, if she has her voice again. <laughs> and we'll be um, talking about inclusion on next week's show. In the meantime, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter, and I tweet under the name inclusive underscore class, and Terry is at Mamatude. And finally, you can download our past podcasts for free on Stitcher and iTunes. And quickly, Carolyn, what's the name of your website before we go? Okay, my, I have two. One of them is uh, carolyncoyle.com, and the yep. other one, my publisher, is piecesoflearning.com. That's Wonderful. where you can find all of my books. Thank you so much, Carolyn. Goodbye, everyone, and have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.